On 89.9 The Light, this is Positive Radio and you're in conversation with Clayton this evening and my special guest is the CEO of Common Grace, Brooke Prentice. She joins me on the line. G'day, Brooke. Hi. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to have you with us. Um, the uh, huge um, movement around the world uh, through all sorts of various phases and ways over the past couple of weeks. Uh, Black Lives Matters, a lot of discussion around racism, a lot of discussion around um, people's just accepting each other as people straight up um, and how we work together uh, as we go forward. There's huge topics and we are going to talk all about that today and we're going to uh, drill you a little bit and ask some questions and be challenged hopefully back as well as we, we move forward. Um, but first, Brooke, tell us what is Common Grace? What does it mean and, and, and what do you stand for, you guys? Yeah, so Common Grace is a growing movement uh, now of over uh, 48,000 Australian Christians uh, passionate about justice. And we focus on four key areas, uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander justice, uh, climate creation and climate justice, uh, people seeking asylum and refugee justice, and domestic and family violence. Uh, and so uh, when Common Grace came into being, uh, those were four areas that the church uh, wasn't kind of uh, that involved in. And so we wanted to bring Australian Christians on the journey of understanding these injustices uh, and uh, how we uh, educate ourselves and also take action um, against these injustices. Yeah. Uh, it's not like you pick small topics there to be working on, Brooke. No, no, they're very important. And obviously, uh, I'm an Aboriginal Christian leader. And so Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander justice is something I've been living and breathing every day of my life. And so uh, to see Christians, uh, for me in that part of my journey before becoming CEO, although I'm passionate about all four areas, uh, you know, uh, it's important how we build relationship with one another. And that's the, the key, uh, it, you know, in the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander justice area alone, um, the statistic is 90% of non-Indigenous people don't even know an Aboriginal person. Uh, and so part of Common Grace is, uh, you know, to share the lived experiences of those uh, experienced injustice and let's build relationship and see what we can do together. Yeah. Now, that is the area that we want to specifically talk more around t tonight. Um, just firstly, before we get there, you said sort of, you know, back in, in 2014 when, when Common Grace was, was started that... It was really there because the church wasn't stepping up into those areas and, and so it was a place for, for Australian Christians to start having these conversations, start uh, actioning some things perhaps to, to hopefully have more justice in each of those areas. Um, that was the situation then. Has much actually changed? Do you think the Australian church has actually improved in, in any of those areas? And, and if so, I suppose, is there some more than others? It has. It has improved and... Uh you know, the fact that most Australian churches actually do have um, some sort of program around domestic and family violence. We've still got more work to do. Uh, asylum seekers and refugees, you know, many Australian churches uh, became sanctuaries uh, and took action um, for, our, for people seeking asylum. Uh, and then in terms of um, creation and climate, uh, I think we've still got a journey to go in there, but it's a journey of understanding and coming together and uh, those sorts of things as well. And then I guess in the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander justice space, um, you know, I have seen a massive change. Like my Aboriginal Christian leadership journey 
Uh, I stepped into that eight years ago when I was the Aboriginal pastor uh, of a Aboriginal church up in Queensland. And uh, there's actually not that many Aboriginal churches. And so experiencing injustice as an Aboriginal pastor, not just as an Aboriginal person, uh, actually highlighted for me the work that needed to be done. And when you see where we've come in the last five years, um, uh, there has been massive change. I mean, you know, uh, I've been talking about Aboriginal deaths in custody my whole life. Uh, and so you can go back onto the Common Grace website and see the things I wrote back in 2016 and 2018 and, and constantly. But to find ourselves in this very moment, uh, in one way, it's a day I've been praying for that people would stay awake. But in another, I'm like, whoa, hang on, what's just happened? Because we've been talking about this so long. <laughs> and what I've realized is, particularly in the last five years, I've just been trying to convince people that racism existed and that Aboriginal people were dying in custody. Um, so it's been such a, a light, lightning bolt moment. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a very interesting one. But uh, the fact that people know some Aboriginal Christian leaders now, and that's been with the grass tree gathering that I've um, been the volunteer coordinator of that grew from Auntie Jean Phillips' vision uh, back in 2012, she brought 60 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders together. The church wasn't bringing us together. So uh, one uh, auntie brought us together. We're now a network of over 200 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders from all across Australia, including remote communities and all different denominations. And uh, people, you know, we've always had Aboriginal Christian leaders. They've done incredible work. But it seems like people's eyes and ears have been closed for a very long time. And so we've seen a massive change in five years. We've still got a, a long, long way to go. Uh, but yes, there has been change. And I think also NITV and um, Australian Christians need to be watching NITV, uh, our National Indigenous TV network. Uh, and when they came on the scene as a, a major free-to-air channel, which was around five years ago. Um, so we've been on a very interesting journey as a nation and uh, I guess part of my prayer is that people start to tune in for what that journey is yeah. and where we're being called to. And I guess when Common Grace started, not every Christian organization in Australia had anything to do with Aboriginal justice. And so the fact that we put it front and center as a foundational injustice in these lands now called Australia, um, it, it's an important one that we have to focus on. Yeah. Um, as we look at what is occurring around our world at the moment, there is, um, you know, rallies, there's protests, there's there's people speaking like never before. Can I ask some questions that I, for, for some may be, um, uh, you know, just I can't believe you'd ask that. It's so basic. And for others, it may be, um, you know, they're, they're looking at it in different ways. And, and the reason I want to ask both these questions is that they seem to have been politicised in different ways. And the two questions are this. For your definition, what would you consider racism is, Brooke? And also, I suppose then the follow-up is going to be: uh, what, what do you, how would you describe what Black Lives Matters is? Both of them seem to have been distorted in various ways of recent times. So maybe we start with the first one. How, how would you define and describe what racism is? Uh, so racism comes in all different forms, and particularly in these lands now called Australia, uh, what racism is, is a conversation we have never had as a nation and one that we need to have. And that's uh, one of my fears in this very moment is that people have taken a lot of research out of America or the United States of America, and we have our own uh, particular history here. 
And uh, there's lessons we can learn from the United States of America, but we need to have an Australian conversation about racism. And so what is racism? It comes in many different forms. And it's Uncle Jack Charles, who's one of the great Aboriginal actors. Uncle Jack Charles once said, um, he said, Aboriginal people suffer a peculiar type of racism. And if you don't know that, I don't know why you don't know that. And so, I mean, uh, one of the conversations I've been having, and this is just about identity. Do we actually know our identity as Australia? Uh, because Australia picks and chooses when Aboriginal people are included and when we're excluded from what is Australia. And so uh, it goes to the very root of the foundations, uh, not the foundations of the lands and the peoples of these lands now called Australia, because we've been here for 65,000 years. But if you talk about an Australia that's only 250 years old, then we can often be erased from that story but we're still here and we're still here for a reason. And that's a miracle we are still here. Um, and so uh, it's time for that reckoning to, to happen. And so uh, racism, you know, and I can tell you stories, uh, which is, you know, the time I went to a theological college because I wanted to study theology and uh, the deputy principal, principal met me at the front door, not realizing I was Aboriginal and said, I said, oh, I'm very passionate about Aboriginal Christian leadership development. Do you have any Aboriginal students? This is a college I was thinking of studying at. And they said to me, oh, no, uh, we don't have any Aboriginal students. We can't keep them seated at a desk and they go walk about. Uh, this is only a few years ago. Um, or as I'm actually a chartered accountant, one of only 22 Indigenous chartered accountants in all of Australia. And in a workplace um, where I was a, a senior finance uh, director, and someone said, oh, Brooke, I'm surprised you're Aboriginal. And I said, oh, why is that? And they said, oh, well, Aboriginal people aren't good at math. And so these are things that we're uh, living with every day. Or the time I went to a church where I was a guest speaker for a reconciliation week and I gave my slides to the AV person and was like, they're like, oh, you're our guest today. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm here for National Reconciliation Week. And they're like, oh, so you're Aboriginal. And I said, yeah, 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 I'm your guest speaker. And they said, oh, you don't have to work. You all get you all get money from the government. You ha only have to get welfare. You don't have to work. And I said, no, no, I've got to work. <laughs> I pay taxes. <laughs> and, like, it was just a repeat of the rhetoric. Yeah. And so racism comes in all of these forms, let alone the explicit um, yeah. other versions of racism where when someone with darker skin than me uh, is in a shop or even if I am just me wearing an Aboriginal shirt or Aboriginal earrings or anything like that, uh, we can get followed in retail environments. Uh, you know, uh, there's so many stories that I could tell oh, yeah. um, and the racial profiling that happens. So if it's an Aboriginal person who potentially has stolen something and usually we haven't stolen something, the security guards take the Aboriginal person away, the police are immediately called, even if that's a child. Uh, and if people didn't hear um, uh, a certain store in Port Augusta, a four-year-old girl ripped by her hoodie. We're trying to campaign to get the CCTV footage released. If there was no problem with what had happened, why wouldn't the CCTV footage be immediately replaced? But can people imagine if it was their four-year-old child who's maybe picked up a chocolate off the off the counter and put it in their pocket. We're talking about a four-year-old. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, would your four-year-old, if they're non-Indigenous and white skin, be pulled by the hoodie um, and taken away? Uh, this is the sorts of conversations. I mean, we look at the bushfires, the bushfires that ravaged over this summer and even longer than this summer. And the Aboriginal man that went to a Christian organisation for help and he was turned away and said, we've helped enough of your people today. Uh, and so when it comes back to those foundations of Australia, we have to understand that. And when you look back at the newspapers and how, and the legislation, the speeches in Parliament, uh, right from the foundation the last 250 years, you actually see that Australia has had a problem with racism for a very long time. And I pray that this is the time that we actually want to have that conversation and that it's our love for one another, that we actually see each other as brothers and sisters and that that love drives us instead of the judgment and the rhetoric um, and the myths and the stereotypes that exist. Brooke Prentice is my guest. She is the CEO of Common Grace, uh, standing up for justice in a, a host of different areas and specifically for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander justice is our, our focus topic tonight. We're going to talk about how we actually change that, what Brooke has just said. How do we change that? And how does this Black Lives Matters movement and the talk and the discussion around racism at the moment help progress that forward? That's on the way next here on The Light. In conversation with Clayton. 89.9 The Light. This is Positive Radio and you're in conversation with Clayton. My special guest is the CEO of Common Grace, uh, fighting for uh, justice in a whole host of various uh, areas, uh, an Australian Christian movement for justice. And one of those areas is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander justice. And that's our special focus topic that we wanted to have a chat about tonight. We've heard a bit and, and you talked a little bit uh, a few moments ago, uh, Brooke, around um, what is racism? Um, and uh, one of the things I was hearing out of that was that it's not that blatant racism of someone calling someone a, a, a bad word or someone you know blatantly uh, discriminating, but it comes in the, the many um, sort of second and third level forms of that as well. One of the other ones we wanted to, to talk about is um, how we understand what is Black Lives Matters. I think we understand it's very much centred around the American side of things at the moment, but obviously is swept around the world. And, and we've seen marches here in the city as well with signs that include that phrase. Um, how do you define what that means? And then I suppose link it to the Australian understanding of, of what it means and the conversations we need to have. Yeah, so Black Lives Matter, uh, when we look at the United States of America, it's specifically talking about African-Americans uh, treatment and the systemic racism that they experience in many different levels and particularly uh, looking at uh, police uh, and so forth. Uh, when it comes to, but underneath that African-American story is also an Indigenous story in the lands now called the United States of America. And that whole geographical region of North America is actually Turtle Island. And the border between the US and Canada like cut Indigenous nations in half, um, just like our state borders cut uh, Aboriginal nations in all sorts of ways. It has created its own um, issues and those foundational injustices. And so there's also a whole Indigenous Lives Matter um, in uh, the United States of America. And, uh, and that's where we're, it's a bit different to here in Australia. 
we have Aboriginal peoples and Torres Strait Islander peoples as our Indigenous peoples, but both have a very different story. Uh, and, uh, you know, in terms of black lives here in Australia, uh, and it's a part of the history of Australia, that Aboriginal people, uh, even fair-skinned Aboriginal people, we're black. Uh, and in North America, Indigenous people aren't black. They're actually native or uh, they have different terms. But here in Australia, we are black. Um, and that's where it's interesting that Black Lives Matter kind of has that correlation to here in Australia, meaning Aboriginal peoples. And Torres Strait Islanders um, are quite small in terms of the overall Indigenous population. 90% of Indigenous people in Australia are Aboriginal. Um, 6% are uh, Torres Strait Islander, and then 4% are both Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. And so that means different things. And then, uh, you know, they're not Indigenous peoples, but another story that Australia has to reconcile with is the story of the South Sea Islanders. Uh, and slavery covers Aboriginal people, Torres Strait Islander people, and South Sea Islanders. Um, there was slavery of all of our peoples, uh, but South Sea Islanders aren't Indigenous. So there's many different layers to that. So where it's uh, become uh, kind of together is Black Lives Matter is being used here in Australia, uh, mainly meaning Aboriginal peoples and specifically at this moment, Aboriginal death in custody. But that's one of many injustices. Uh, and so Australia still has a long way to go. It's not just about Aboriginal death in custody. Um, there's closing the gap and uh, stolen land, stolen wages, stolen generations, uh, you know, protection of sacred sites. And I don't want to get overwhelmed in this moment because I want our focus to be on stopping Aboriginal deaths in custody because it is preventable. <laughs> uh, we've got the 339 recommendations uh, from the Royal Commission in 1991. Uh, you know, that's nearly 30 years uh, of inaction. And it's time that we put some of those uh, recommendations into action. Uh, and then there's each coronial inquest that has been held and there's recommendations out of those coronial inquests. And so, um, yeah, there's so much to learn about that. And so, but Black Lives Matter in the United States of America, and I'm so sad that some of the rhetoric that's come around, like people not wanting to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody or they're using other taglines that, you know, or being dismissive of Black Lives Matter, uh, it's fascinating. Like no one, uh, when I've gone and educated about Aboriginal deaths in custody, people didn't know about them. And so when you started sharing the stories, but now instead of like my call for the last few years has been learn the names and stories of three Aboriginal deaths in custody. And it's still my core today. Before you say anything on racism or Black Lives Matter, do you know the three stories of an Aboriginal death in custody? And in enough detail that you could tell someone else. Because when you learn those stories, I am sure your heart will break uh, at what has happened. Don't just share around statistics um, to try and prove that we shouldn't be focusing here. Because anyone that's dying in a state system, surely as Australians, we want an answer to know why that is. And if it is possibly preventable, surely we want to prevent someone dying. Um, and the fact then that they're Aboriginal people uh, that's where I think the racism comes in yeah. and we've got to call that out uh, because do you really think an Aboriginal life matters or you don't yeah. and where is the racism in that? So, so Brooke, what's the, 
what's the thing that actually holds that up? You know, that, that's been there for 30 years. I, I think, uh, you know, most people, I think, as you said, you, you sit one-on-one with somebody and say, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I think, you know, almost everybody, maybe not everyone, but almost everyone goes, well, that's a bad thing. That shouldn't be happening. So what is it that actually is stopping some of these things occurring? So as Aboriginal peoples uh, and Torres Strait Islander brothers and sisters, we are only 2.8% of the population. And so that means uh, we need non-Indigenous people standing beside us to say that this matters. We've always known it mattered. Um, The grief that we carry from these stories, it matters. But unless non-Indigenous people are willing to sit beside us to listen to these stories and say that we matter, we can't have that Australia that I dream of, which is one that is built on truth, justice, love and hope. Um, And Aboriginal peoples have been calling our non-Indigenous brothers and sisters into that story since the very beginning of colonisation in this country. You know, I have a theological paper that's called Learning to be Guests of Ancient Hosts on Ancient Lands. A core part of our culture is hospitality and generosity. And even under such horrific circumstances of massacres and genocide and our children being stolen, we still extend our hand in friendship to non-Indigenous people. And uh, because it's a core part of our culture, um, and in this paper, Learning to be Guests of Ancient Hosts on Ancient Lands, I, I use the story of Sturt. And I go back to all of the original journals um, and read what was written. And Sturt, you know, he came across three to 400 Aboriginal people. Um, and Sturt's party were nearly at the end of, um, you know, they, they had no food, no water. Uh, they were very weak. And he says this all in his journal. And they came across 300 to 400 Aboriginal people. And he says, you know, these Aboriginal people could have had whatever they wanted. But what did they do? They brought us water. They brought us wood, wood being very scarce so we could have a fire. And they even brought water to our horses. And he says, you know, he can't even imagine these people had never seen a horse before, but yet they knew to take care of the horse as well. Um, And then they brought cakes. They made cakes and, and these sorts of things. And so, you know, instead of having a different story, let's focus on these stories and why we're still asking for relationship and reconciliation and friendship. Um, but to bring justice to these long-standing injustices, uh, we actually need we need non-Indigenous people to stand with us and support us. And we talk about listening to Aboriginal voices. Um, we've been speaking a long time. We've presented the solutions. But we can't get the government and the church structures in this nation to actually listen to us to take the action that's required. We can't solve racism with a statement or um, a Facebook frame or uh, these sorts of things. To tackle racism, we actually need processes. We need processes where people can report racism. Racism is not a crime in Australia. Um, I, I posted something in an international forum and People said, this isn't the responsibility of the church. You need to report that to your police for racism. And I said, racism isn't a crime in Australia. And maybe it should be. What would happen if it was? Um, But when it causes pain and hurt in the church, we should understand what that means. So what are the processes we're going to put in place to report racism, to take action against racism, to keep people accountable, 
um, and then uh, to bring healing to all people. Uh, and so that's obviously a very Christian response to think about the healing and the reconciliation from those experiences. And this is where, you know, we've actually got to look at every part of society and uh, at 2.8% of the population, uh, you know, we need support, but it's not that we should only have 2.8% of representation. Pre-1788, we were 100% of the Australian population. Yeah. Are people willing to sit with that and understand where we are today? Yeah. We were once 100% of the Australian population, if we consider ourselves Australian, but we're 300 nations. And so, and our population levels, it's still in 2020, have not recovered to our population levels pre-colonisation. And so, you know, one other aspect that we can take in the overall healing for our nation, for all peoples and for these lands now called Australia, is a truth-telling commission. Uh, I think that's where we actually have to start. We have to have a shared understanding of our past and our present so that we can have a shared understanding walking into the future together. Uh, and so... A truth-telling commission, I actually got tired of waiting for the government to put one on. And so with Auntie Jean Phillips, who's one of our most senior Aboriginal Christian leaders, we put on a truth-telling commission uh, because South Africa has held a truth-telling commission after apartheid. And that's another one of the things people need to learn about. The apartheid legislation, they got that uh, from the Queensland government on how Aboriginal peoples had been removed and put on missions and reserves. Uh, the Queensland government helped South Africa to create its apartheid legislation. Uh, and why do I know that? I'm one Aboriginal person who's seen the actual documents um, between the Queensland government and the South African government. But everyone should know that. Uh, and, you know, even if we look at William Cooper's life, he's another incredible Aboriginal Christian leader, Yorta Yorta man. 1938, 26th of January, protesting for citizenship. He wouldn't and inequality. In 1937, he asked for an Aboriginal seat in Parliament. We go back to Jimmy Clements, who at the opening of the Parliament House in Canberra, he stood on the footsteps of Parliament saying, can we please have an Aboriginal seat in Parliament? Uh, we've been asking for these things for so long. And they're some of the foundational work we need to do. So when we put on a truth-telling commission, we went through pre-colonisation, um, stolen land, the massacres, stolen wages, stolen generations um, and stolen lives, what I call kind of the present day injustices. But we also came together, that moment was so special because we shared that pain together. But then we saw the healing that took forth by having that shared understanding. Uh, and so that's my my prayer and that we do this truth selling commission. I went out to all the media outlets and no one would run a story on uh, two Aboriginal women running a truth-telling commission and 200 of our non-Indigenous friends coming along for that um, event. Uh, why wouldn't the media do a story on that? And so this is where we have to make sure that when those invitations are extended, people turn up. You know, I've been talking about the injustices and racism for eight years of my Aboriginal Christian leadership life, but my elders have done it for far, far longer. And we've put on seminars and um, we've promoted them really well, and sometimes five people have turned up. Um, and so uh, as Aboriginal people, we don't have a choice. We have to turn up and we have to keep turning up, and yeah. especially those of us in ministry. Yeah. And so um, 
I just pray that people start to sit with these stories mm. um, and to analyze their own lives. But there's not equality and there's not equity. And, um, you know, one of the things I share about is when I was 17 years old in year 12, uh, which was 1997, I thought reconciliation uh, was three years away. I thought we were going to be celebrating that we'd achieved reconciliation in the year 2000. And for me, that meant an end to racism. It meant that we would have a treaty. We're still the only Commonwealth nation without a treaty or treaties with First Peoples. Um, and it would mean uh, true equality. Uh, and that would be reconciliation. I'm still waiting for all of those things in 2020. Um, I believe in the people of Australia that we can do this together. Uh, and I want us to do this together. But uh, I pray that this is the time. Brooke Prentice is my guest. She's the CEO of Common Grace. And we're going to be back. We've got a couple of minutes left with Brooke. And I'm going to ask specifically for her to help us. Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not a politician or I'm not a a leader in my community or I'm not whatever else it might be. But as each of us, what can we do better? And we're going to get Brooke to answer that question for us next here on 89.9 The Light. In conversation with Clayton. On 89.9 The Light, this is Positive Radio. You're in conversation with Clayton. And uh, during this time where, as we look around our world, we see a whole lot of people talking about what racism is and how we can stop it, not just stopping racism, but actually having proper conversations about people just being people and how we live together in all of what that should be and how it could be. I'm joined by the CEO of Common Grace, Brooke Prentice, and Uh, They are standing up for justice in a whole host of various areas and one specifically for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders and that's the specific focus that we're talking to Brooke about today. Brooke, you've talked, um, you know, in over this past little while um, as we've we've had you on with us uh, tonight uh, around some of the the broad things that we want to do. We've talked about the idea of a truth-telling commission about making sure that um, our, our traditional uh, peoples of this land are actually recognised, um, a whole host of very th- things that are, are, are a bit broader. We've also had some chats about how we see racism, and it's not just the blatant racism, but it's the it's the favouritism, it's the, the assumptions straight away as we go forward as well. Um, I want to ask for all of us, um, what can we do as, as we are? But I'd perhaps rather ask it more personally. Um, and I suppose that is, you know, I'm, I'm a white guy who's been privileged all his life. I'm living in in the, the luckiest country in the world in one regards, <laughs> and yet I'm acknowledging and standing here saying I, I haven't done my part. What, what could I do more to truly acknowledge and understand and be a part of this? As you talk to somebody individually who perhaps doesn't hold a position in, in the parliament or doesn't, uh, you know, a leader in, in their local church community or whatever it might be, how do you answer a question like that? How, how do I actually do something better? Yeah, so one of the first steps is about listening and learning. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of people have gone down the learning and the self-education, um, but I'm finding that that actually isn't helping in this moment. It's making sure that you're listening to Aboriginal voices. And so one of the best places people can start is by going to the Common Grace website uh, and going to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander justice page and clicking on resources. We've got theological resources, church resources, um, book recommendations, children's resources, 
uh, video resources, prayer resources, all around Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander injustice. Um, if people are looking for three kind of key resources to start with, I say go and watch the SBS series First Australians. It's a six-part series that goes from Arthur Phillip and Benelong right through to Mabo in 1992. Uh, read Bruce Pascoe's Dark Emu to get a different picture of Australia, or one that we've known for 65,000 years. Um, and then uh, for Christians who want to dig deeper, uh, Auntie Reverend Denise Champion's book, Yaka Wanderta, and that's all on our Common Grace uh, website, those three resources as recommendations. And then, uh, and also you've got lots of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders. Our stories um, are on the Common Grace website as well. We've just had an incredible National Reconciliation Week where over seven days, um, an Aboriginal Christian leader shared a reflection on walking together, what it means to walk together. They're hundred word reflections and then a way to take action. Um, so we've got actions there. If people are ready to drive into the injustice and the inaction, um, then learn three names of an Aboriginal death in custody. Um, you can use the Guardian's Death Inside, their incredible database. They released that back in 2018. Um, if people are looking to learn those three stories, uh, in 2018, we actually held national prayer vigils. Uh, and so we've got all the resources. You can do your own prayer vigil from your own home. Um, so we've got an online prayer vigil. And on the home page, we've got an Aboriginal Death in Custody tab. So it's commongrace.org.au. Uh, and then, so instead of sharing media or sharing um, uh, hashtags or being anti-Black Lives Matter, and I'm seeing all of these things, and that's really hard to see all of these things when I'm like, actually, just come and listen to the story. Uh, actually, do a bit more learning. Uh, and uh, then let's have a conversation. Uh, and so I guess look out for those conversations. I mean, we're still in a COVID-19 restriction. Uh, and yes, we can do this online, but some of it needs to be done face to face um, because there's healing that needs to happen. And it's not just healing for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, it's healing for non-Indigenous people, like finding out where does your family come from? Where did they come from to be in these lands now called Australia? And for me, I know my non-Indigenous heritage as well. We're Scottish, uh, English and German. And I can tell you all of those stories because it's part of my story. But why is it only Aboriginal people that have questioned how, um, you know, that's another level of the racism uh how what percentage aboriginal we are that needs to stop no percentage aboriginal we are just aboriginal and yes some of us have a non-indigenous story but what's your non-indigenous story where are your people from because if you keep saying australia that's only a 250 year story your story is longer than that um i know my story is longer than that uh and that's the sort of conversations we need to start happening and if you see me put on another truth-telling commission, please turn up. Mm, yeah. uh, and it might be something that happens all around Australia. And so, but don't just listen in books either. Uh, make sure uh, Aboriginal people, um, you know, I had one friend who said um, she does a bit of education around race. Uh, she's non-Indigenous uh, and white. She's been invited onto two panels. Uh, she's declined both invitations because she asked, and you have to ask, if you're a speaker that has any sort of platform, you actually have to ask, who are the Aboriginal people going to be on the panel? 
And when they say that there aren't any, you need to decline that invitation uh, because we need to learn that Aboriginal people should be speaking at this moment and non-Indigenous people listening. And if you're speaking as a non-Indigenous person or writing as a non-Indigenous person, you can't listen at the same time. And so, uh, you know, I've given a whole range of things there depending on where people are in the journey and, and that's part of the reality. So whatever resonates with you, just is there one thing that you could do? Yeah. What's the one thing that you could do? Um, yeah. And if everyone just did one thing, imagine the Australia we might have. Yeah. Brooke, it seems to be, and, and I'm sure that this is horrendously awful in, in my summary of all of what you've just said, but if I was to get it down to one sentence, it seems like the number one thing to do is sit and be with it, listen and hear, and then, as you said, then then do one thing. Um, but it starts with actually choosing to put myself in the middle of something that um, might be feel uh, very foreign to me, might feel very uncomfortable, uh, might be something that's not my normal. That seems to be the first step on all of it. Am I? Is that a fair summary of what you've been saying? Yes, yeah. yes, it is. Um, and some people might be willing to do a whole lot more and yeah. there's lots of those avenues. But, you know, because where are the Aboriginal voices in this moment? Some of us are just trying to, like, heal our wounds um, because we're seeing the racism has always been there, but somehow people have got courage to post the racism on Facebook and um, in the media and it's always been there, but it, we can't turn away from it now uh, because it's just, event after event after event after event. And that includes denying the true history of Australia um, because you're denying our story, you're denying our lives. And so to sit and wait, make sure you're listening to Aboriginal voices at this time. And um, that's exactly right. And another way that I phrase it is um, if we are to come together and I'm calling us to come together uh, because for me, the creator, Holy Spirit, Jesus calls us together. Yeah. Um, and it sits together in our pain. And our means Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and non-Indigenous people. Non-Indigenous people of all different cultures carry pain as well. Sometimes you just don't realise it. Mm. And so let's sit together in our pain. Stand together against injustice. Walk together in truth and friendship and pray together for change. And when you see each of those four things, there's actions in there, but there's not a lot of talking. Yeah. And so, uh, yes, let's just uh, listen and walk together in these ways. Yeah. It's wonderful um, that that is something that we can all start doing right now um, and uh, and actually start in, in a, a new way from, from this moment on. Brooke, we so thank you for taking some time with us um, today. We uh, thank you for all the of the the work that you are doing in in um, talking, uh, in making, in, in asking all of us to listen, asking us to to do something in a different way. We so appreciate all you've done. The website again, commongrace.org.au, for a host of the things that Brooke has mentioned. Uh, you can find all the details there, and I'm sure Brooke that uh, if somebody was wanting to connect in in a different way, you'd be. Uh, more than willing to have uh, you and your team uh, contact them by heading through to that website as well. Is that correct? That's right. And also on social media, we're at Common Grace AUS. Uh, and another thing in this point, a lot of people have said, uh, don't put the burden on Aboriginal people to answer your questions. Uh, that's not always the right answer <laughs> uh, because it means a lot of non-Indigenous people are answering for us. And so 
um, uh, you know, I will try and get back to you if you have a uh, specific question. If it's about racism and does racism exist, there's a whole range of things that you can do. Yeah. Um, is it about Aboriginal death in custody? It's all there on the website. But um, uh, yes, please come back to Aboriginal peoples and give us the opportunity to say, to point you in another direction or to say, we don't want to answer that question. Uh, and yeah, just check what you're writing and those sorts yeah. of things and check who you're listening to. And if there's no Aboriginal people sitting at your table, um, whether that's a committee or on a panel speaking or in a Zoom room, ask the question, where's the Aboriginal person? Uh, and if they say we don't know any, well, then you know how far we have to go and yeah. where we have to work. And Common Grace, you can see a whole bunch of specifically Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders. Excellent. Brooke, thank you so much. Commongrace.org.au. Brooke Prentice, the CEO of Common Grace, my guest. Brooke, thanks again for your time. Thanks very much.